TED Audio Collective. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Hi everyone, it's Mona Chalabi. I'm a data journalist and I was the host of season one of Am I Normal? And today I have someone else here with me. Hey y'all, I'm Salim Reshamwala, host of the podcast More Than a Feeling and Ted's very own Far Flung. I'm a big fan of Am I Normal? And I'm here because I have a pitch for this special season of the show, if you're down to hear it, Mona. I am all it is. I'm always down to hear a pitch. Okay, so in season one, you got into all these ways that data can be biased or overly simplified or misunderstood. And a lot of times that data is about real people. So my idea is to try something different for a few episodes. What if we start with one interesting data point, find someone who fits that data, and then just zoom in on that one person's lived experience? Try to get into that complexity that data can't show on its own. That sounds really, really exciting to me. I'm actually working on a book at the moment and the format of the book is actually really in-depth interviews with just one person who may or may not be representative of like a specific Mm. trend that's going on. And the reason why that approach is really exciting to me is because as we found so often in season one and as I've seen over and over again in my career... Data is fantastic at explaining the what, like who is affected by this thing? How has it changed over time? How does it vary by geography? But it often comes up short at explaining the why. And I think that getting to know a person in all of their kind of messy complexities can get you to a different place of understanding with those kind of more cold clinical numbers. And you can't really understand the world with just one side of that equation. Oh, I love that this is something that's fitting in with work you're already doing. But wait, let me shoehorn in a compliment as well, seeing as you did it. Uh, Oh, I also want to say that (laughs) (laughs) I love listening to Far Flung, and I really think you're the person to go forward and do this special season because I loved how much you drilled down in your conversations with people about the why. And the other thing that was so great about the podcast was kind of dissecting this idea of otherness and what might at first seem really, really far away, actually being a little bit closer to home than you might think. This is almost like a mashup of the two shows. We're kind of getting to make a stat-driven micro far-flug episode at the same time. Yeah. It's the middle of the Venn diagram, Salim. I love being in the middle of a Venn diagram. So... Let's talk about this first episode. Is there anything you've been interested in lately? Any topics that are on your mind related to data? Well, actually, there is. So I've been thinking about this idea of living with your parents as an adult. It's something that we know increased dramatically since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hmm. In the US, the number of young adults who are living with their parents is higher than it has been at any time since the Great Depression. So now half of everyone age 18 to 29 is living with a parent. You know, it's funny because I feel like 
there can be a stigma attached to that, to moving back home in the U.S. Mm. You know, maybe like, oh, you weren't able to make it on your own or some some idea like that. That doesn't seem to necessarily exist everywhere else in the world. I've got cousins who live at home in India and that was totally the plan from the beginning. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like I also have cousins for whom living with your parents is completely standard and expected. And so what's it like in the rest of the world? How are other cultures positioned in this stat of living at home or not when you're a young adult? What I can tell you is the numbers themselves do change from place to place. So one of the stats that really kind of stuck out to me was from a survey that was done in 2013, where three quarters of respondents aged 18 to 35 in Hong Kong said that they lived with a parent. And that is obviously way higher than it is in the US. Yeah. And I guess I'm kind of interested in that interplay between culture and data, right? So does Mm. having a higher prevalence of something mean that it's less stigmatised because there are way more people that can relate to that experience? Or does it mean that it's even more stigmatised because it's viewed as like this national crisis of, oh my God, there are so many young people living with their parents. We have to do something about this. Yeah, that interplay of culture and data, it's such a succinct statement of what I want to get into with this. And I'm also just curious about what living with your parents really looks like. What's that experience beyond whatever stereotype people might have of it? So I will do my best with the squad to find one person in that data set and learn about them. I'm excited. I'm Salim Reshamwala, and from the TED Audio Collective, this is a special season of Am I Normal? I do have my own room, uh, that's my little space, but then, you know, we share the same living room. So usually uh, evening time, all three of us will be gathering in this space. This is Eve's Lung. Eve's, by the way, is a nickname. She's 28. She's a teacher in Hong Kong. And she's basically always lived with her parents. But she did spend a few years abroad. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that long, uh, but it's enough to experience, you know, taking care of things on your own. She's back living with her parents now, and I wanted to know what kind of rhythm she and her parents have settled into at home. I think my day would be, you know, waking up, I have my own breakfast, and then I rush to work, and then my entire time will be at work. But then coming back, um, that's when your second part of your day starts. Uh, Normally, if I don't have anything to do at night, I just sit there and talk. uh, And I spend probably two hours and dinner. (laughs) That's too long, I know. But then I just enjoy just sitting there, just chatting with them, just watching television. And um, that's, you know, my day. But then weekend is more complicated because you only have two days for your weekend, but then your parents are already expecting you to, you know, help them fix something that you don't have time during the week. But then, of course, we can also want to spend a day with my partner and my friends. So usually now, Saturday, it's for me to go out, whereas Sunday I, you know, stay at home uh, to help them. How does so many people living with their parents, how does it affect romance and dating and How do you even start that conversation? 
I think um, so. We've been reading different posts on social media, but also you know different reports about how how romance can actually happen. You know, inside a house. I think quite a lot of people actually、uh, live with their parents even after marriage because they really cannot afford the flat.、Yeah. So they will share one room,、uh, but then in the next room it will be you know. Parents, <laughs> obviously, it's it's gonna be embarrassing. So some couples、um, that I read from the post, they they actually have this you know capsule thing,、uh, like a like a hostel is just you know inside a capsule where you rent for a few hours, you know, do whatever you want, and this is the space that that couples want. My partner has has own space, so it's so much easier. It's more comfortable. Um, for the two of you to just chat, have time, you know, just to get together. Other couples would just be sitting in the park,、uh, just to chat after dinner. And how does living with your parents mean that your partner meets your parents sooner than they might otherwise, or is it usually just kind of a separate thing? Separate thing, separate thing.、Um, to my family, meeting the parents is kind of like the last step before you enter marriage. <laughs> It's not like casual dinner. Oh, hi, uncle. It's not like that. Okay, it's it's very official. It's a very formal setting. But、uh, some friends that I know, they are more you know chill.、Uh, so it really depends. Yeah, that's really funny. I feel like、uh, I can't speak for the entire community, but one of the communities I'm part of is a, a largely Muslim Indian community, and there's a lot of joking about how like you know. Other folks might meet parents very soon, but meeting parents very quickly after dating would seem really, really intense. In that case, <laughs> yes, exactly. We were intrigued by Eve's mention of capsule hotels, so we did some reading. Instead of full-sized rooms, these hotels rent out bed-sized pods. Couples can rent a two-person pod for a bit of alone time. Hong Kong also has so-called love hotels for rent by the hour that are pretty popular among couples, which makes sense. If you don't really have your own space at home, you're gonna look for it somewhere else. So much of what Eves is talking about comes back to this idea of privacy. It might be a physical kind of privacy, like checking into a capsule for a few hours, or it might be setting up boundaries in terms of personal time. Which is something that affects Eve's relationship with her parents. I'm curious, how has your relationship with your parents changed over the years as you've, you know, lived with them as a child, but then also as an adult? You know, we came across a survey on parents and adult kids in Hong Kong who were living together. About half of them said they argue at least once a week. Is that number about right for you? Once a week, I I don't count it. Do they count it? <laughs> <laughs> That's、do、an they, excellent follow-up question. Tally on the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, um, so first of all, I don't count. But then, of course, there are conflicts. But I think the biggest, you know, contrast it's when I move back from um from the states. The shock it's bigger, as in you spend. Those you know, two years just completely on your own,、uh, compared to here. And then we don't fight for things like whether you you have the television tonight or not. 
but to me it's really more about um the time when should you be coming back home or whether you go out too often yeah that's why I said I, I don't count because if if I have to count I don't know if I should define this as one tally do you remember maybe your favorite moment after you moved back home yeah I mean there are a lot of them but I think living with my parents I have this completely cut off time uh, from work because when I was living on my own uh, when I was doing my dishes I kept thinking about you know work okay what's the plan for tomorrow for tomorrow's meeting and there are a lot of issues that you've been thinking really hard even on commuting but then it's just like like magic pop suddenly you sit down for dinner and then my mom keeps talking and then suddenly after two hours you feel like oh it wasn't that bad so it gives you a fresh start to uh, the next day but also to the problem it's also family warmth i'll say um that mm. someone really like genuinely care for you uh, ask how you are doing. I mean, even for like close friends, you call each other. I think once a week, but then to the people that you are living with, you see them every day. Of course, you have the most you know conflicts with them, but they are also you know people that you are closest to. I love that positive that Eve's brought up. Having a parent chat with you while you're doing the dishes, yeah, that might be a nice way to enforce some work-life balance. I'd never thought about it that way before. After the break, I ask Eves about the stigma of living with your parents that exists in certain countries. Stick around. When you came back to Hong Kong, did you think about moving out on your own? I think I didn't really have a choice. I will, I will put it that way. So it just makes sense to live with them. But I think this is a very cultural thing because in Hong Kong, we're in. I, I can only represent Hong Kong, right? It has always been very normal for especially girls to uh, just you know live with your partner after you get married. Um, but then these, I think, these two years, I've been having this thought of really going out just to, you know, have a space of uh, of my own. And if you're living with your parents, and oftentimes in my case, I will be coming home, you know, fixing this, fixing the light bulb, fixing the pipe, you know. And then it seems that your time has been gone, and it's already ten, and you're off to bed. So you don't really have that space and time just for yourself. But of course, sometimes I I also have this ambivalent、um, attitude whether I should you know really go on my own. So my best hope is that okay for five days I'll be living on my own. Weekends I go back stay with my parents. So this is ideal case. Everything you're bringing up is super fascinating to me because not too long ago I came back from a trip visiting my cousins in Mumbai in India, and a lot of them live with their parents, but it's. Almost in part of growing up in a way, because now they help take care of their parents, and that it's almost like that's the most grown-up thing they could do, you know. So it's interesting, I, you know. It's part of why we were interested in the subject is it's tricky to wrap my head around it because so much of it does seem so much around 
cultural norms as to whether moving out is something that makes you feel super independent or whether taking care of your family is a sign of being grown up. Yeah, I agree. No, completely. I agree. Um, I think it's especially when um, when your parents are older. So now that my parents are, I think, in their 60s, 70s, so there comes a lot of issues around health that uh, oftentimes I have to bring them to the doctors for medical appointments because yeah. the nurses, they speak so fast, I couldn't even catch up. Like me, I couldn't even catch up. So I feel sometimes it's really your presence there. Because to me, I think um, one part of me has this very traditional Chinese family-oriented value where I think your parents, um, it's not about how much money you give them, you know, or, or some attention, some text, uh, WhatsApp messages. It's, it's more than that. You know, I feel like in the U.S., it's pretty safe to say that there can be a stigma about moving home, right? It's like a trope in movies, like a, a guy who has to move home with his parents... Why do you think there's a stigma around living with parents in certain cultures? I think this is more an issue in the States, especially because, you know, people are expected to leave home after college. And that's why this, this whole stigma or this contrast of you having to move back to your homeland, it makes people feel that you are, you failed uh, at work, mm. you know? But then I honestly, I don't think I think this person, when, when he or she is really experiencing this so-called failure, of course, family, it's, it's always the place that he should turn to. And here in Hong Kong, I think this stigma is still there. It's just that it has become this reality that, of course, because the price is still high outside, so you live with your parents. But then to me as a Chinese, I always feel that it's very weird to to see people from the States only go back home during Thanksgiving, Christmas, like twice in a year. I mean, even for me, if I'm not living with my parents, I'm sure I'm going to see them every weekend, at least once. Since you have this positive view, what advice would you have for someone who is about to move home and maybe is not from a culture where it's super normalized and is trying to figure it out what what tips or wisdom have you gained from going through it? I mean, everyone is trying to figure out their lives. So so I think I'll rather give advice to people around him or her, not to judge. I mean, this world, it's cruel enough, I would say. So if you're, you know, friend of him or her, give them support. Like, why are you judging them? Of course, the stigma is, is there. It exists. But then it doesn't mean that you should reinforce this. So I think, honestly, for the person who decides to whether, you know, coming back, living with their parents, I think no pressure. Do whatever you want with your life. It's, it's your life. It's not another's life. Is the person moving home immature or kind of flexing their maturity by switching roles and taking care of their elders? Are they losing their privacy or fixing their work-life balance or some other interesting combination? Without understanding the cultural and social context, 
I might just not understand what a number really means. So that's something we're going to keep coming back to, that context. Until then, like Eve said, the world is cruel enough. Do what you want with your life, y'all. Am I Normal is part of the TED Audio Collective. This special series is hosted by me, Salim Reshamwala. This episode was produced by Daphne Chen and edited by Sarah Nix. Our team includes Joanne DeLuna, Constanza Gallardo, Michelle Quint, Ban Ban Chang, Roxanne Hylash, and Jimmy Gutierrez. Jennifer Dub is our researcher and fact checker. Original theme song by Sasami. Sarah Bruguer is our mix engineer. And huge thanks, of course, to Mona Chalabi for bringing me all this data scavenger hunt.